Hey everybody, you're about to listen to episode 13 of The Kitchen Table. This is a quick disclaimer. I want to apologize for the way the audio has been for the first 12 episodes. I didn't realize how low it was until I got some really positive feedback. And again, this is a learning process. I'm figuring things out. So I did order another microphone to be able to hook up to the laptop so I can record good audio on the laptop and on the camera and hopefully it works. It won't be this episode because I already had this episode recorded. It'll possibly be episode 14 because I have that one recorded as well and I was vibing pretty good, but definitely, definitely episode 15. So it should sound the way I'm talking now, really good audio. And I appreciate it. Hang in there. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the kitchen table. The heartbeat of any firehouse in the city of New York is the kitchen table. It's where we break bread, break balls, and break everything in between. They say all the world's problems can be solved at a firehouse kitchen table. I don't know how true that is, but what I do know, it's what I miss the most. Welcome back to the kitchen table. I'm Kenny D, your host. If this is your first time watching any of these videos, this is a podcast slash YouTube to bring awareness, mental health awareness to, but not exclusive to first responders, police, cops, firemen, military, paramedics. Like I said, not exclusive because as civilians, we've all experienced depression. We've all experienced thoughts of despair. We've all been there. We've all been through sadness. That's what I'm trying to do. Bring some mental health awareness through my experiences in the fire department as a law enforcement officer. Today, I'm going to talk about real quick, some statistics, and then I'm going to get into a real good fire story that we have. I'm going to try and make it quick because I was told that I sound a little preachy sometimes, (laughs) a little repetitive by someone I love very much. But I'm new at this still, just trying to get videos out there, just trying to get the word out there. So I'm not, I'm not going to try and preach to you too much. But what I've been saying is I have a daily process to help me deal with mental stress and depression and all those bad thoughts. And my daily process, the big thing in my daily process is health and fitness. I've been, I go to the gym every single day, every day. It's, it's, it's without fail. If I get off that process, if I don't go to the gym on a schedule, if I don't go to the gym, I start getting the demons start creeping in. It's, it's unbelievable how much fitness has been involved in my life and has helped me with depression and these bad thoughts that creep in and thoughts of suicide. My whole life, most of my life I've dealt with that, but I think truly one of the things that has kept me alive, has kept me here is fitness. If I didn't get that fitness in, I probably would not be here bringing this to you. And it sounds repetitive in some, some of the videos and some of the podcasts. It does because I true, I so much believe in it. I truly believe in it, that it is something that can help you immensely. When I'm in the gym every day, it's repetitive. I do calisthenics 
till the fucking cows come home. I do hundreds of burpees, push-ups, pull-ups, dips, just to get my heart rate up, just to get that good sweat. The mental clarity I have when I'm doing that is unreal. And then I get into a body part. But I'm not, gonna, I'm not going into all that. I just want to reiterate the point to you guys how much fitness can help you. If you're not somebody who likes fitness, if you're somebody who just sits on the couch all day, not all day, just goes to work and does what you have to do, but you don't have fitness involved in your life, try and get fitness started in your life. I'm not saying go out and start doing CrossFit. My wife does CrossFit, and it took her a long time to find what she liked and what worked for her, and CrossFit works for her, and that's fucking awesome. They have such a great community of people, and I've done it a couple times, and when I'm there, I'm happy, I'm having fun, but CrossFit's not really my thing. I, when I work out at the gym, I like I kind of like to be alone in my own little head, getting clarity and all that stuff, but CrossFit is great. I used to be a runner. I found running, I could run f f for miles, but running didn't help me, it didn't work for me, so I had to find something different. So I stopped running and got into more calisthenics. If you gotta find what's right for you, to raise your heart rate, to get a sweat going, to release all those hormones and, and, and dopamine and all that stuff that will make you feel better, that will lift you, at least for the day, out of your funk, out of your depression. Start walking. If you like to walk, walk more. If you like to hike, hike more. If you like to do, a lot of women do Pilates and yoga, do that stuff. You gotta do and find what works for you. I'm gonna try and start keeping these preachy type stuff and fitness type stuff in my daily process to deal with mental health to a minimum. Because, you know, we all know what we gotta do. It's a simple concept, you just gotta go out there and do it. Fitness for me, nutrition. That's it. Get out there and find something for yourself. There's lots of resources. You have the power. You have the resources in your hands. You have the resources on the floor, in the gym, a park, a bicycle. Just go out there and do it. I guarantee you, once you start that process and after you start going a couple weeks, you will start feeling better physically and mentally. Trust me. I got some statistics here that I was looking up from a website called reliefmh.com and it was published on February 7th, 2024, just a couple of weeks ago. And it's, it's some statistics about first responders and depression and PSD, PTSD. Not gonna go into crazy stuff, but it says, depression and PTSD are five, five times more common in first responders than the general population. 85% of first responders report symptoms related to mental health conditions. Firefighters and police officers are more likely to die by suicide than in the line of duty. Is that crazy or what? Like, as dangerous as our jobs are, it's more dangerous going home from that job. It's unbelievable because so many people have experienced these symptoms of depression and stress, and they don't know how to handle it when they go home, and they leave their job. So they're more likely to die by suicide in their at home than they are line of duty at work. That's an unbelievable statistic to me. 11% of career, depression among emergency personnel. 11% of career firefighters report symptoms of depression. I think that's a very, very low number. And the reason why I think that's a low number is because firemen, most firemen consider themselves alphas and probably law enforcement as well. Men and women, consider yourself an alpha. You do that job, you're, you're looked upon, you're, you're put upon a pedestal. People look to you that you are supposed to know what the fuck you're doing and be an alpha and just somebody who can take care of business. 
So alphas don't like to admit that they have depression. Don't like to admit that they're suicidal. Don't like to admit all the sadness and stress in their life. They keep that to themselves and go about their daily business because they think that's the right thing to do. So I think 11% is a very low number. Police officers, 20% of police officers report symptoms of depression. I, I think that is, is low as well. Same reason. We're in a business of having to be the, the person in charge when we get there. We're the calm. We're, when we show up, everything's going to be all right. And that's a lot of stress on a person. The shit that you see daily. Cops see shootings. They get involved in shootings. have to deal with criminals all the time. Firemen, fires, and, and pulling people out. And, and EMS runs, the paramedics. And we deal with EMS runs as well. And just, just the, the death and destruction and chaos that we see on a daily basis. That cops and firemen and paramedics see on a daily basis and military warfighters and their, their PTSD percentages are through the roof. I don't have those statistics right now. This is just cops, firemen, and paramedics. But what we have to deal with on a daily basis, I think these numbers are low because nobody's really talking about them. I think you got to start opening up and admitting that you have issues. Not everybody does, but I guarantee everybody has felt a little bit fucking sad here and there being a first responder. You have an incident, an EMS incident of something terrible involving a child and it's something that you just can't get out of your head. And it, it just sticks with you for such a long time. So I think these numbers are a little low. I don't know. I'm not an expert. They, they seem to be the experts. But those, those seem a little bit low to me. There's also some worldwide numbers, but I'm not going to get into that. I don't know. It, but it's, it's a problem. It is a problem in first responders and military. PTSD, depression... Thoughts of suicide, bringing that shit home to your family life, not saying anything. Got to get that fixed. Admit you have a problem and fucking fix it. All right? That's what this channel is all about. Spreading that awareness, getting help. Let's call somebody. Let's, let's bring it to light and save some people. Let's see what we can do. I appreciate you guys, you know, tuning into this channel, sharing it, following it, and, and spreading the word. I went to a function last night. I had a little bit of a therapy session with some of the guys last night because I'm not at the kitchen table anymore in the firehouse, but there was a function. I went and I got to see some of the guys and got a lot of positive feedback. The guys are happy for me and it meant so much to me that they support me. And I got a little bit of constructive criticism too, you know, of course, as only firemen can do it. But overall, these guys support me for, you know, it's so great to feel that support. And they're my brothers, and I appreciate that. And, we're, and we're, we're, we're opening up conversations about mental health and all this stuff and bringing it to light for guys that I never even thought would. But they are, and it's, and it's, a, it's a great feeling. So it was great to see the guys. And the Rangers won. It was a beautiful thing. Fucking eight in a row for the Rangers, baby. Let's go Rangers. We're going, we're going to the Cup this year. I don't care what anybody says. So that being said, let's get into a, a decent fire story for me. Um... Early on in my career in 59 Engine, I can't really remember if I was, if I had, I think it was still before my helmet incident. If you don't know the helmet incident, go back to one of the episodes, I believe it's episode five, and I'll tell you all about that and what I, what I was going through mentally when I transferred to, to my new house, 59 Engine, 30 truck, the Harlem Zoo on 133rd Street and Lenox Avenue, baby. Anyway... We were catching a lot of work when I got there. It was, the neighborhood was still a lot of vacant buildings, 
I mean, gr granted, it wasn't the war years, of course. Those guys were just were, were in battle every single day, every single night. The South Bronx, Harlem, any real shitty neighborhood at the time well, was really going to work. Every neighborhood was going to work. The city was burning to the ground. But the, the lower income neighborhoods were really going to work. But we were catching work, not quite like those guys, but I was still going to work. I was still learning. I was always doing something when I came into work early on in my career. This was one of those nights. Uh, pretty young crew. I think only one guy on the back step had some time and the chauffeur had, had a lot of time. So it's late at night. I think it was, I want to say it was fall or winter, but there was no snow on the ground, but I feel like it was cold. 125th Street, Lenox Avenue. There was a row of vacant tenements. And the tenement is a multiple dwelling. These were five-story multiple dwellings, I believe. But they were all vacant. Like one, on, one big one on the corner and then like five halfway up the block. All connected. All vacant. Storefronts were vacant. That whole corner was vacant. Eventually, eventually that corner would become a a Whole Foods and a couple other stores so who knows who knows why this fire started anyway vacant buildings have a especially like big ones like that have tenements there's always the chance of homeless people living in these in these buildings setting up electrical lines starting little fires in there to keep warm in the winter time doing drugs sleeping there a lot of lot of vagrants in these vacants <laughs> So you always have to be careful. You always had to be careful at, at vacant building fires because there could be somebody, there could be civilians sleeping in those, in those buildings. These buildings were all vacant. As far as we knew, the corner building, the biggest one, was the only way that we could get into all the, the tenements. So that's how, that's how I remember it. That's how I remember Everybody said, oh, you can see all those tenements? This is the only building that you can get in. And it was on Lenox Avenue. Right off the corner, but it was on Lenox Avenue. The rest of the buildings were on 125th Street. So one night, tones go off. We call them the B-boops or the tones. And we get to run smoke from the roof of a multiple dwelling. And then we, we start gearing up, getting ready to go, listening. Then the dispatcher says, all right, we, we got fire now. We're getting calls for fire from the roof of this multiple dwelling. So we, it's not that far from quarters. We're on 133rd Street, that's on 125th Street. So on the way down, you could see that there's fire. So the truck boss calls, we, we roll up, he called a second alarm on arrival because it was already fire through the roof. Now he's calling a second alarm on arrival because fire is already through the roof. That means, that means the fire is probably <laughs> already in the cock loft. And once a fire is in a cock loft, it spreads through all, it'll spread through all the tenements and just be a real shit show and have a really hard time fighting that fire. And you need multiple, multiple companies to get there, to open up the, the, the ceilings, to put that fire out. You need more hose lines and you just need as many guys as you can to put that fire out. Usually in one multiple dwelling. This was a row of like fucking five multiple dwellings. So he calls the, he calls the second alarm on arrival. And I think it, I think it went to a fourth or a fifth. I'm not sure, because by that time we were, we were already relieved and, and and out of there. Anyway, guys take the door. The truck takes the door, forces the door. Now we're going in. Remember, it's vacant. There's no electricity. There's no nothing. 
we take the line in into that tenement on 100 on uh, Lenox Avenue and we're searching for the fire the truck's searching for the fire we go up to the top floor and now we're just waiting and it's it's clear as clear as a bell we're like where the fuck where is this fire the trucks walking back and forth they're going into the other buildings you can get to all the other buildings through that building and they just couldn't find a fire now multiple companies are coming up rescue companies squad other trucks probably went to a third by this point because you still can't even though the fire is through the roof we still can't find exactly where it's coming from so now the eventually they start finding it now we take the, the hose line up to the roof and now we're on the roof and we go to the edge of the roof and the entire rear front top to bottom of a five-story tenements multiple tenements is fucking fire blowing out every single window top to bottom and through the roof in it was in the shaft it was in the fucking alley. It was in the rear. There was a rear parking lot behind a couple of the tenements. And it was just top to bottom. I, I believe there is even a collapse at, later on in the fire. So we're just, we're up there. We're just putting water on fire. We got, we got our mask on, but we're, since we we're on the roof, we were, sitting, we were conserving our air. A lot of smoke everywhere. Just guys everywhere. Saws going. Guys pulling fucking the roof. Just guys doing what they do, man. Just up there being firemen and we're putting as much water on these on this fire everywhere we possibly can not not really doing much i actually i was backing up the nozzle man and i actually had a a camera in my pocket because i was getting buffy and i thought oh i'm gonna start taking this is before this is before iphones i'm gonna start taking pictures of fires you know i think it would be cool I, i'm a buff i love fire i love fighting fire i thought it would be pretty cool so i'm snapping it was like one of those disposable cameras. You gotta, you gotta wind it. I was snapping pictures and the flash was going off and it was scaring the shit out of everybody because they didn't know what the hell it was. So the Nazimut kept turning, turning around going, what the fuck is that? And, he, and I snapped a picture of him while we're fighting this fire. But it turns out all the, the, they were all overexposed. There was just so much orange and, and fire and, and shit and it got wet, it just, it, the pictures never came out. I was so depressed when they didn't come out. We we got them from like the photo mat, and we were looking at them, and it was it was just so disappointing, like a bunch of just nothing. Anyway, we're on the roof and we're taking a beat, and we're just getting the shit kicked out of us. So our engine boss is walking us around. We're trying to get to a better spot to to fight this fire better. And I think I think it was the rescue the rescue boss at this time. He goes, boss, you want to go down here and let's fucking let's hit some fire on this on this top floor. But we'd have to go down the bulkhead. The bulkhead is basically roof access on a tenement or on a lot of buildings in New York City. Mostly, most of the time, it's a tenement or a multiple dwelling or something like that. The 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 brownstones and private dwellings, a lot of them just have scuttles. But for a multiple dwelling, the bulkhead is the access to the roof, and it's stairs going up to the to the roof or stairs down, and there's like a little landing there. So we open up the bulkhead. And we fucking go down with the line to this bulkhead. And now we're in the hallway of this, of the top floor of this tenement. And it was the sickest thing I've ever seen. It was just fire front to rear from the, from the bottom step of that bulkhead to the entire rear of the, like we were in the front of the building to the entire rear of the building. It was unbelievable. You could, there was so much fire that you could see all the beam, all the beams were, were exposed. All the, the, the floor joists were exposed. The floor was exposed. We couldn't even, 
You really couldn't make it that far because things were starting to fucking crumble. But seeing the fire, burning all those beams down this, this, this hallway, it was, it was like, all I attributed to was, if you ever saw The Matrix, and at the end, when he realizes he's Neo and he's in The Matrix and everything is green, and he looks down the hallway, and you could see everything like clear as day, but it was all green, that's like what this was. You could see everything. And the reason why you could see everything because the fire was completely vented. The fire, the building was completely vented. So the fire was venting out every, everywhere. So there was no smoke in the building. All the smoke was, was, has, was in the air. Everything was exposed. So you could see the fire so fucking clearly. I mean, once you put water on it, it starts smoking down, steaming and stuff like that. But when, when you can see that, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. A lot of times when we roll up to fires, and for civilians, the scare, the real scary part is seeing fire out the windows, right? You're like, holy shit, there's fucking fire out the windows for a civilian. Like, it looks, and usually is so bad, it's so bad. But for us, for a fireman, when you see fire venting out the windows, it, part of your job, part of the part of the job is done. That's good for us to see it venting. That's what we want. We want it to vent. So when we get up there, we have more of a clear picture of where it is. It's going the other way, so we can push the rest of that fire out the windows. Water pushes fire, period, the end. So that's what you want. You want to see it venting. When you roll up and you know you have a job and you can smell the smoke and you can smell the wood burning, but you can't see it, and you only see a little bit of smoke, and it's all buttoned up, those are the bad ones. Those are the tough ones to really fight because you're inside until you, until you are able to vent that building. Those are the real tough ones. It's real hot inside, real smoky. Those are the ones where you, you, your asshole gets puckered a little bit. But the ones that, the, that have vented out, you're like, oh, this is, this is nice. This is good for us. So a lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that when I got on the fire department. It's crazy. It's crazy, right? You see that that's the excitement, though, seeing the fire out the windows. But for us, it's good. Fire out the windows is good. It's vented. Fire indoors that you can't see, that is buckled up, tough. Very, very tough jobs. Anyway, we make our way down to the top floor, and it's front to rear fire. And we put, we opened up the line a little bit, and, you know, the, the rescue boss was like, come on, guys, let's put this fire out. And it was, it was literally every tenement, top to, top to bottom, was, was going in the cockloft everywhere. But there's no way we were putting that fire out with, with, a, with hose lines on, from the inside. Plus, it was vacant. I think the chiefs had finally started having enough, and they were pulling everybody out. They... They searched as much. They searched as much as they could. They didn't find anybody. There's no sense in risking any more firemen's lives for a vacant building. So they did what we could. We did what we could in the building and started. And the chief started pulling everybody out. While that was happening, there was tons of guys on the roof. The trucks, 26 truck, had their aerial. Now an aerial ladder is like a hundred foot ladder. You, you know, there's a few different trucks. I'm trying to explain this to civilians that don't know what I'm talking about. There's trucks and engines on the job. Engines have water, carry the water and the hoses. Trucks carry most of the tools and the ladders. The truck guys vent, enter, and search the building, open up, stuff like that. The engine guys stretch a hose line and put water on fire. That's the two differences. Trucks take the front of the building, and they put their ladders up to the building. Now, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm using my arms to, like, to like show you that there's a ladder up on the top of a building. It's, it's hard to explain. It's not hard to explain, but if you check it out YouTube, that's what it'll look like. My arms are like this. They're like angles. So the truck's on Lennox Avenue, 26 truck, and he's got his 
He's got his aerial ladder up to the roof. Right, so guys will climb up and down the aerial ladder. That's, that's one of our means of egress off the roof is, is an aerial ladder. There were other ones up there, but, but I specifically recall 26 trucks, aerial ladder to the roof of this job. And the reason why I specifically recall 26 aerial ladder to the roof is we had come down already. There was a transmission on the handy talkie that there is a civilian running up or climbing up 26 aerial ladder to the roof. And we heard that over the handy talkie, the radio, our rate personal radios. And we, as firemen, were like, what the fuck did they just say? A civilian going up to, to the aerial ladder. So we look up and there's literally a civilian on the tip of this aerial ladder looking out over the roof. The cops, he, this guy committed some crime in the neighborhood, which wasn't uncommon. And they were chasing him. And he ran, jumped on 26 pedestal and ran up the and climbed up the aerial ladder but he got to the roof and saw fucking 50 firemen up there with tools and he's he got scared and started coming down the cops wouldn't go up and chase him the cops weren't climbing that aerial ladder they knew he wasn't going anywhere they knew he they knew the firemen up on the roof would keep him from going on the roof and they knew if he came down the cops were going to nab him so the guy the guy climbs his way down firemen coming down behind like push not pushing him physically but like he, they had to work his way down. So this guy came to his senses, gets to the pedestal of 26 trucks, fucking ladder, and he's, now he won't come off the pedestal. So not in so many nice touchy-feely ways, he was pulled off that pedestal by a number of people just to get him off because he was combative. He was... He was a danger to himself, he was a danger to firemen, he was a danger to cops, and everybody involved. So he had to get off that ladder, off that pedestal, and he had to be arrested. Period. The end. So he, not so gently, is pulled off that fucking pedestal. And once he is pulled off that pedestal, he wasn't very nice to us. So, in true fireman fashion, we weren't very nice to him. <laughs> so while we were not being very nice to this civilian who was completely combative, all sorts of shit. An ESU police officer comes by and says, all right, everybody move out of the way. So we all move out of the way, and this guy tased this combative criminal, <laughs> and he tased him, and he fucking got him, and he turned him over, and he locked him up. <laughs> we, were, we were like, that. This it's something, that was the craziest thing to that point that I had seen in my life, a civilian ran up the ladder at a multiple alarm with hundreds of firemen there while being chased by the cops, then gets pulled off the aerial ladder and tased by the cops and locked up. We, we would talk, we talk about that story all the time. It was just something so funny and so outlandish. I don't know if, if firemen in other cities have had stories like that, but I've, I've had plenty of fire stories where civilians did some good shit and fun shit and crazy shit. But that one at, to that point of my career was the most insane thing I've ever seen in, in my young career, as far as firefighting the civilian, he, he got, and we were looking at him. He gets to the top of the aerial and he's looking over the roof going, fuck man, there's nowhere. He, there's fire everywhere. There's firemen everywhere, all trying to get off the roof. He had nowhere to go. He was, he was done. Thank God he didn't fall off that aerial. Forget it. If a civilian fell off the aerial from a five-story tenement and the roof, 
That would have been real bad, real bad. So thank God he didn't fall. Thank God nobody got hurt at that fire. Bad fire, multiple fucking alarm. Heavy, heavy, heavy fire through the whole building, out the rear, out the front. Everybody was pulled out. Everybody went home safe. Nobody got seriously hurt. And whoever set that fire, if it was set, it eventually became a Whole Foods. It eventually became fucking some, uh, what else? What else is there? A Burlington Coat Factory is there. I think there was a, something else. But that all became freaking stores, man. That whole corner. That was a huge fire. Huge fire. First time it was a second alarm, a multiple upon, on arrival. Before we even got to the fire, it was a multiple on arrival. But the, but the funny part is the civilian running up. 26 trucks, aerial ladder to the roof. <laughs> One for the ages, man. If you guys got any stories like that, hit me up in the comments. Let me know. Think about it. Talk to your brothers about it. Get that therapy that you need at the kitchen table or wherever it is that you need. I hope everybody has a great day. And it must be true if you heard it at the kitchen table. I'll see you at the big one. Hey everyone, it's Kenny D, your host of The Kitchen Table. Three things I would like to touch upon real quick is, number one, thank you guys so much for the love and support that I've gotten starting this podcast. I really, truly am humbled and overwhelmed by the messages and phone calls I've gotten from my friends, family, and firemen. It lets me know that I'm doing the right thing. Thank you guys so much. Let's keep it going. Number two, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, because I forget to say it on the podcast a lot or in the YouTube, you got to follow the channel. You got to hit follow. You got to hit subscribe. You got to like it. You have to comment. You got to share it. You got to share, 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 share. Same thing with YouTube. If you're watching it, subscribe, like, comment, and share. That would mean so much to me. Thank you guys so much. Number three, there are three nonprofits that I'd like to talk about real quick. Friendsoffirefighters.org. Friendsoffirefighters.org. It is a nonprofit for firemen who are struggling with mental health. They have grief counselors standing by. Number two, Tomahawk Charitable Solutions. It is a nonprofit for owned and operated by military vets for military members and their families in their time of need. 100% of the proceeds, 100% go to those families. Number three, the one nearest and dearest to my heart, livelikechristopher.org. Christopher Tucci is our cousin who recently passed away due to an undiagnosed heart condition. And the reason why I started this podcast was because of Chris, because I want to live like Chris. So if you want to donate to any of those, check them out. They're in my bio on YouTube, on Instagram, and Facebook. If we're not friends yet, hit me up. I'll accept your friendship, whatever. Thank you guys so much. Let's keep the message going. Take care.